Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, not bad. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Good deal. All right. Sound great. So, got a good connection? Perfect. All right. So, how you doing? Really well, man. How are you? Right. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the, the podcast today. Yeah, of course. No problem at all. All right. Well, uh, first off, I want to congratulate you on uh, setting all those national records and uh, having stellar performance uh, at uh, that week of national events there in Yankton. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, you know, a lot of people have uh, reached out to me the past couple of weeks and I really appreciate it all. Awesome. Have you, has your uh, Instagram or your Facebook blown up? Yeah, a little bit. Um, what I've noticed recently, I mean, I've kind of always gotten it anyways because of all the coaching that I do, but I've really gotten a lot of messages just, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you set up your stabilizers? How do you, you know, just that kind of questions of how I approach things and how should I coach, you know, certain people that maybe they're trying to coach or whatever. Just, you know, a lot of, lot of technical questions lately. Awesome. So you've been a, how long have you been coaching for? Man, uh, coaching's kind of always been, so I've always told people that when you teach other people, it kind of reinforces those same concepts in your own head. So I've always kind of used coaching as a tool for myself, actually. So I, not only do I like to kind of share the knowledge and everything that I have with, with other people, but it also reinforces it, right? So if I'm teaching people not to punch, right, it kind of, it, it helps me to not do the, do the same thing. So really from very early on, um, I had only been shooting for about a year before I started kind of working with other people and, and just to the level that I could, you know, I obviously can't teach high level stuff when I wasn't there myself. And, and, you know, so, um, but really, I mean, I, I would probably say about seven years or so I've been, I've been trying to help people. Awesome. Yeah, I would, I strongly agree with what you're saying there. I think helping other people is a great way of reinforcing, um, your, your own shot process, uh, or, you know, and re really re reassuring, reinforcing what you, what you know, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it definitely does. And that's, you know, it, even people that I do coach, you know, using using Isabel and Kaylee as an example, I always use them as an example because they've been the ones I've worked with the longest. But I always kind of try and urge them to coach the ones that are that are younger than them and the, and the kids that are coming up. It's like, hey, not only are you doing a service to these people by trying to help them and, and grow the next generation of, of young shooters, but it's also just going to reinforce those, uh, those concepts in your head that, that are, are, are so foundation and fundamental to what we're trying to do. That's awesome. So, uh, when, so I know recently you purchased, um, th there's a lot of stuff. I'll just kind of go there since we started yeah. with coaching. Um, I know you purchased triple X archery from, uh, Corey Miller. Um, Correct. Yeah. That's been about a year now or two years. Yeah. A little, little over a year. Um, it was like, what was it? April of last year. So, so we're going on a year and a half or so. Yeah, that that's, Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, did when, when you purchased it from Corey, did he help you transition at all or or was it kind of turnkey operation for you no he uh he he was actually really really great about it so you know we worked out we worked out a deal that worked for both of us um he at the time he was taking on the uh the 
what was it the district sales rep job for PSE and and he was going into that and was going to be traveling and it was kind of a conflict of interest he couldn't have the shop and do the uh the rep job and he really wanted to pursue that rep job so he uh he sold it but he still lived locally he just lived right there in Longview i mean a couple of minutes away from the shop so when he wasn't out on the road he was there he was in the shop helping me as much as he could kind of and, you know, I, I already had a really good handle on how to set up bows and, and that type of stuff um, and how to work with, with people because I had been coaching for so long. But it was really nice having that liaison in there to say, hey, yeah. you know, these are, the, these are the kind of things that I've ordered and done really well with. You know, this brand does really well. This does really well. And just that type of, that type of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Did, uh, did you find uh, when you first started working in the shop – I don't know how busy your shop was, but did you find that it was just like, uh, was it uh, trying to take a drink out of a fire hose or was it pretty, pretty smooth? No, I think it, the transition went pretty smooth. I mean, people in the local area for the, for the large part kind of already knew, knew of me or knew who I was just because I've had a lot of success hunting. I've had a lot of success target shooting. Um, so you know, the word spread pretty quickly that, hey, you know, they got a good guy in there that kind of knows what he's doing, because that's kind of the hard thing when when a shop sells and the local community gets really comfortable with the guy that is in there running it. When when a shop like that sells, the big question is, is this guy going to be able to continue the same level of service that? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. Because Corey, Corey, uh, Corey really established himself really well. I mean, he was everybody knew who Corey was, you know, and I mean, I knew who Corey was because, you know, me, when I met him at Outlaws and, and you know what, early on, Corey even helped me out a lot too. He was really nice, just really kind human being. Yeah. Corey's one of the best people in the archery industry for sure. And I mean, even still today, I mean, now he's with, uh, he's with Black Eagle and he's with Dart and Archery. And I mean, he still helps me out constantly and he's just, he's like I said, he's very kind. He really wants archery, the archery industry as a whole to succeed. Um, and yeah, he had very, very firmly established himself um, in the community where people really, really trusted him. So, I mean, there were certainly people that came in and it was like, uh, well, Corey's the only one that's ever touched my bow. You know, I don't know if I can trust you type of thing, but I don't know my, just my personality. Like I think people generally, pretty quickly can see that oh this guy has a has a huge passion for archery he likes talking about it he likes teaching he you know so people pretty quickly become pretty comfortable i think in most cases um so i i I don't know i think the shop has done really well it did really really well last year um in the first year of transition um and and it continues to be strong so yeah i i I think it i think it's went really well it was a it was a great deal for both of us i would say well, it's funny because like I I, used, I joked around with uh, you know Austin Watts. I'm sure you've met him a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've traveled um, him a couple times now. Yeah, he, uh, I we you know we when we talk shop and stuff together, uh, I was like you know it, it sucks because he he has such a wealth of knowledge and he and he has such a huge he's such a um, you know he, like hungry he's hungry you know he he really he he works really hard and I said hey it's tough for him because he's since he's young people will assume he doesn't know anything. And because I look old, everyone assumes I know everything. And that's <laughs> certainly not the case at all. <laughs> so, yeah, but, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it, you're it's so, you, you look like you're somewhere in the middle. So. Yeah. Well, you know, that can be tough, it, especially for somebody like Austin. Um, it is, 
the guy that I have working in the Rainier shop, he is a young kid too. And, and he's really doing well, Gage. Um, his name's Gage. And, you know, he's, he's, he's learning a lot. He's pretty knowledgeable, but it's the same deal, right? He looks like a young kid. So when people come in, a lot of the times they're like, uh, I'll wait for Blake. And it's like, you know, you got to give him a chance. I wouldn't allow him to work here if I didn't trust him. And the, the same things will happen with Isabel and Kaylee. And, and in their case, it's even worse because they're 16 year old girls. Right. Yeah. And people just assume that they don't have any idea what they're doing. And that's not the case at all. Right. They know more about archery than than most people. And, uh, you know, so so that can you can get a bad rap, obviously, for being young. Um, at least Austin has the benefit of of being a badass shooter. So people, generally speaking, are like, oh, yeah, this this dude never misses. I trust him. Yeah, we, we do our art in our shop. We have mostly a bow hunter crowd. And uh, in the previous shop that I worked at, we had a pretty strong target um, sure. customer. So um, the bow hunters are a little bit, little, little bit different, you know. Standoffish, sure. Um, you know, I think I want to say actually, the our customer is really awesome. Like our bow hunters, like in in our area, they're um, they they really come in seeking guidance beyond just the bows themselves, and so it's really cool That's to cool. interact yeah. with them and. Yeah, it's it's really awesome because I, I mean I certainly don't have the kind of uh, hunting experience that you do. Um, you know, I, I only started bow hunting probably in 2011. You know, is I think when I shot my first buck with a bow. Okay. And uh, but yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I I like to see the new the I'm gonna say new shops with the good attitude, good vibe um, coming up in our sport because. God knows there's been such a negative um, perception of pro shops across the country. When you go online on Archery Talk or on Facebook, there's always like, you know, you seem to hear about more bad shops than you hear about good shops. So I I like to hear and see that good shops are are doing well. Yeah, for sure. You're you're absolutely right. And you know, when, when I talk to, if, if just your, your average everyday bow hunter comes in the shop, right. And they don't know anything about target archery. They don't even know that side of, of archery even exists. I always actually, for everybody, I always kind of relate everything back to target archery. Um, you know, I, I always say that I'm a, I'm a target archer first before a bow hunter. I, I love bow hunting. I grew up bow hunting. I bow hunted for 15 years before I ever touched a target bow. Um, I've, you know, I've killed a lot of bucks. I've killed a lot of bulls. But if I had to give one up or the other, I would give up bow hunting without question over target archery. I just, I'm, oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm so addicted to the, to the competition and the competing. Right. But for the bow hunters that come in the shop, I always relate everything back to target archery and I always let them know like, Hey, shops, in my opinion, that, that end up doing the best and are the most successful are those guys who are running it, who are also target archers. The, the, the guys that shoot target, they just care about the details more than your average bow hunter does, right? They really care about things like timing and getting holding weight right and, and arrow flight and, and things like that. Where I've been into a lot of shops and, and the, the, the general consensus is, oh, yeah, that's good enough. It'll be fine. Like, that's going to work, right? Yeah. Whereas I'm super, super anal about everything. And it's like, no, this has to be perfect. Like, we have to get your bow perfect before you leave the shop. And I won't let somebody leave until they're happy. I mean, that's kind of my general rule of thumb is, you know, I always tell Gage, don't let anybody leave unhappy. Make sure that they're happy before they leave. Make sure they feel like they got what they paid for. Because, 
you know, for my entire life, I've been the guy on the other side of the camp, the counter spending thousands of dollars. And it's, it's a giant investment. And I want, I want everyone that comes in to feel like they got what they paid for. And, and furthermore, I want them to feel like I genuinely care. Right. I don't, I don't, I try not to ever look at people as dollar signs. I truly and, and genuinely want people to enjoy the sport, whether it's bow hunting or whether it's, you know, whether it's target stuff. It's funny. It's funny you say that because, um, I mean, obviously we have to, you know, make a profit. We have to make a living. So you're not giving away your product. You certainly shouldn't. Um, but, you know, uh, people people are willing to pay. I, I found that because um, there's, there's shops in our area that, you know, will wheel and deal. And, you know, like they're like the bargain basement type places where they'll, you know, they'll, disc- they'll, they'll, they'll sell the boat for any price just to get the sale you know, but a lot of the customers still end up back at with us because we're, you know, we're going to do a good job. So I think people value the, um, in the long term, people value the experience and the information that you're giving them the customer service. Yeah. hundred you know? percent. I mean, and, uh, but you know, earlier you just said, you said something that was interesting about how like a target shooter, um, has the better perspective on taking care of the customer. Like I, I agree that, I've, I've be honest, I have seen some places where there is a strong target shooter and they're really good at working on their own bow, but they're not great on working on other people's bows. So I think it really comes down to like work ethic. And I think you have a really strong work ethic. And the other thing I think it comes down to is that is passion. Cause I think um, a lot of people will, some people will start a bow shop and they're really passionate about archery. And then, in my opinion, the, the shops that aren't so great and the ones that are better are the ones that still have their passion, whether it's for bow hunting or, or target archery. Like those are going to be, in my opinion, those are the guys I think that are are going to last the longest and the ones that are going to provide the best service. Yeah, I, I, I agree fully. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you have if you have passion for anything that you're doing, it's not even just archery shops. I mean, you know, if you have passion for something, you're going to succeed, right? And And if your shop has passion, then the shop is going to succeed. The, cu- the customer, the customer uh, feels that and they see that, you know, you can't, you can't make that up. You know, you can't, you know, you know, you like they're, you know, like a, like a car, you're not a car salesman, you know, it's like, you know, those, you know, there's that, that perception of the car salesman. It's like in a bow shop, people know if you're a car salesman or, you know, they, they or they know they, they can pick up on your passion, but, um, but anyway, so that's awesome. I'm glad that you're sh- that to see a good shop is coming up. Um, how many guys are you working with? Just you and 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 the twins and and another guy and, and your main location there. As far as uh, employees, employees, yeah. It's it's just me and Gage actually. The twins will come down every once in a while. You know they live so far away from the shop. I mean they're they're two hours away, so they they're not down there very often. Um, but they'll come in, you know, during the summer on the weekends, a lot of times if there's no tournaments and they'll help out and they'll bang out, you know, some arrows and get some arrows fletched up for us or, nice. you know, do some tuning or whatever for the customers that'll let them because we go back to, you know, a lot of customers are like, yeah, no, they're not touching my bow. And it's just, it's frustrating to me because I want to get angry at them. But at the same time, it's like, eh, you know, you got to bite your tongue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's just me and Gage. I mean. And wow. Gage has really, really stepped up this year to because I think Gage really understands that 
I still have this like fiery, fiery passion for wanting to compete and wanting to go to some of these bigger events. So Gage has really stepped up and, and ran the shop while, while I've been away and has done a fantastic job. And, you know, the, the, the first time that I left him in charge, it was like, all right, we'll see how it goes. Right. And, you know, I'll go away for the weekend. We'll see how it goes. And, you know, then I come back and, and he did a really good job. He kept up with everything. And then I get positive feedback from customers, right. Saying, Hey, Gage really took care of me. So, then it's just like, okay, cool. So, you know, I just, uh, he, he's really stepped up and allowed me to do that. And, and Gage is a, is, is, I wouldn't say has obviously not the same passion for target shooting as I do, but he has a target bow and, and he does, he dabbles in it. And, uh, he definitely likes indoor more than outdoor, but you know, mm. he's, he's kind of taken a backseat to his practicing a little bit to allow me to be able to go out and do it, which is, which has been really, really great. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. How do you how do you keep up with all your online orders and stuff if uh like sounds like since it's a two man operation so on the on the online side of things um my best friend Kit um he designed the website for us and he does a lot of he uh he he does a lot of the management on that which is which is so valuable to me and that's awesome you know I've 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 tried so hard to be like, Hey, let me pay you. Let me give you a percentage. Let me do whatever. And he's like, nah, man, just, you know, give me a free bow or whatever, you know? So, you know, I gave him a hunting bow. I gave him a target bow. I was like, dude, just let me know what I got to do for you. I'm like in debt with you for the rest of my life. I don't even know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but he does a lot of that management stuff and it's, it's a team effort on that. You know, if we ever have any returns or anything, you know, we'll kind of tag team that and, and reach out to customers or whatever. And we just kind of take it on in, stride um the the website really runs itself pretty smoothly we don't have a lot of issues there but you know you're gonna have customers that want to return stuff you're gonna have i field a lot of questions every day um i'll get a lot of calls in the shop um for people that want to order stuff online you know just asking about certain products because that's kind of how we set the website up is we really wanted to let people know that hey we're just a we're just a small town shop uh, with a website and if you have any questions give me a call and I, I i will sit there and i will talk to you and you know yeah if I the, don't have the, the website answer, is driving people to this to the shop that's great yeah and it yeah. will people will call and just be like hey you know i want to talk about these broadheads before i buy them or whatever you know and i'll give them whatever information i have and i always tell them like hey if i don't have the i'm not the type of person that will bullshit you right if i have not shot that broadhead i will tell you straight up i haven't shot it this is the feedback that I have on it from people who have, or let me reach out to somebody and, and try and get some answers for you if I don't know. Right. And I will always return their call. So I don't, I don't ever try and sell somebody something that they don't need or that's not going to work for them or whatever. I always try and give them accurate information. So, uh, you don't, the next question I'm going to ask you is just a, a simple question. You don't have to answer it in depth because, or at, like, Let's not go into definite because we are going to talk target and I don't want to get too distracted down the hunting rabbit hole. Yeah, sure. When it comes to arrows, let's let's just use Easton for example. Easton spine chart, arrow selection with point weight, high FOC, or Dr. Ashby? One of the three. Oh, man. I, you know, just just, just pick one. (laughs) It's a fun. So, so say that, so, so state the question again. Are you, are you, uh, when you're building an arrow, are you going straight up manufacturer recommendations, high FOC, or are you going full on Dr. Ashby? I would probably lean towards high FOC. 
middle so you're you're, uh so you're not you believe in i have a you're you're you got a nice penetrating arrow i i run a nice penetrating arrow run run a nice penetrating arrow but you're not in a cult i'm not in a cult absolutely not (laughs) yeah i would lean towards high foc i mean you know i always i god i have this debate with people probably on a daily (laughs) basis but i always tell you know they're I'll get people in there that they just want the highest arrow speed that they can possibly get. Right. And I always tell people, you know, put some weight in the front, slow that arrow down and get something with the momentum that will penetrate through an animal. Yeah. Have and, you, uh, uh, have you physically seen a 700 grain arrow yet? I, I have not, I have not had anybody bring in anything that heavy. I usually, well, when, for... when they, when they do good luck. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, <laughs> But but I have seen a guy come in with like a three hundred and twenty grain arrow, three hundred grain arrow, you know, and and shooting it at seventy pounds, and I'm just like, dude, this is unsafe. I don't even want to shoot this out of your bow, like I, you know. So, and and they're just worried about that number on the chronograph. They just and I try and tell them, you know, it's the same with like long range ballistics. If you've ever done any long range rifle shooting, you know, a, not. A, a super light bullet might come out of the muzzle super super fast, but it doesn't retain velocity. And and the same thing holds true in an arrow. If you have a 250 grain arrow, it might come out at 400 feet per second, but at 50 yards, it's not doing anything. That thing's going to fall out of the sky. Um, whereas if you take a 475 to 500 grain arrow, it doesn't come out of the bow as fast, but it retains velocity better. So you have more downrange momentum and, and better penetration, yeah. which is which For- is always going to be where i lean you know because i always for your hunting arrow are you, are you gonna what, what i know you're an eastern guy what, what arrow are you gonna run up are you gonna run the the four millimeter axis or four millimeter law fmj well so i i really just kind of switched over to eastern stuff um so i really haven't built an arrow yet i guess i would probably lean i mean what I, last year what i shot is that black eagle rampage and really really liked it because it's kind of a lighter shaft and you can run that focus system with some heavy weight on the front so Did I you run, run it with that brass. Did they make a brass on the rampage? I so what it is is it's that uh it's that it's an aluminum they call it the front of center system and it's a hundred grain outsert and then you can okay. run you know basically whatever broadhead you want after that. But I ran hundred and twenty fives on that, so I had two hundred and twenty five in the front nice. and had a five hundred and twenty grain arrow. But I also have a thirty one inch draw on my on my hunting bow at yeah. you know at sixty nine seventy pounds. So you know I was shooting a. 520 grain arrow and i'm still getting 280 out of it and i mean that thing would blow through any animal in north america that you shot at for sure i mean you're you're kind of lucky you got that long draw length i'm kind of right. in that very I'm in that, I'm in that like 27 27 and a half like range and so like the challenge for me is getting an arrow that's a little that's a little bit too i, I like a nice flat trajectory but then again they're getting it heavy enough to where you know it's not going to bounce off of you know yeah, exactly. You know, I, mean, animal, you don't wanna, so, you know yeah. I always, I always kind of to try and get people to understand the analogy in the shop. I always explain to them, like, you know, it's the difference between throwing a golf ball at something and throwing a ping pong ball at something. For sure, right? A ping pong well, ball at four hundred miles an hour, it still isn't going to do much. No, not at all. I mean, well, this is a target podcast, so we'll uh, we'll step like we haven't lost everybody now with all the hunting stuff. <laughs> um, I because on the hunting side, like, yeah, I could definitely talk for a long time here, but um, so. You you are shooting uh, the Easton X10s, right? Correct. Yeah, I just switched to them actually. And and uh, with the Easton X10s, are have you have you? Uh, I I just did an interview with Alex Mueller. I don't know if you talked to him at all. Yeah, yeah, uh, I met him at a. I mean, I've I've met him several times now, but I really yeah. got to get to know him at nationals. 
So he, you know, I, I've listened to, or I've, I've, I'm familiar with Scott Omar's arrow peering stuff. Have you gone, have you gone down that um, path at I, all, or do you just I fletch them and send them? <laughs> I haven't done it. Um, I have talked to Scott Bomar about it as well, but I, I haven't went down that rabbit hole yet. I mean, I just, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if it would help me or not. I don't know. Yeah. I would say after, you know, the performance that you had um, this, this year, you know, if anyone, anyone that has an opinion, I'm not going to say that, uh, uh, I won't say it that way, but I would say that whatever you're doing, it seems to be working just fine. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, cool, man. Uh, so, with your uh, one thing that Wendell wanted me to ask you because he forgot to ask you when he interviewed you um, was uh, your release. Um, what how, are you shooting with a click or no click? I shoot with a click. I actually, I I believe that to shoot a hinge effectively, you need to shoot a click. I I don't believe that. Because right, what what the click is there to do? It's there to let you know exactly where at you are in your hinge, right? So you can once that click happens, now you're set up in that spot in the hinge where you can start your execution from and have that exact same distance of travel before the release breaks. So if you don't have a click, you could potentially have your hand more forward, or you could have it more swept back, and your shot timing would be pretty drastically off from shot to shot. Now, obviously the better you are at archery and the more you shoot, the more you could clean that up yourself, but the click makes it very, very precise. So I believe to shoot a hinge ultra effectively, you have to have a click. Yeah. I, I took a Dave cousin seminar um, a few years ago where, or I said we hosted one at, at the shop I was working at and, nice. uh, and, and he's very much, you know, the same, same mentality, same mentality of, the click like the click is a, a very very much necessary for the for a hinge when shooting a hinge um but uh i'm also like you didn't you can't see this because this is a podcast and not a video one but i was like fist pumping in the air just now because uh wendell's gonna like be kind of bummed out <laughs> what? <Does> he <laughs> he's he's, he's a no click so yeah, well i just you know and I'm and, and it's just a little friendly banter between me and him. But well, what's his reason for not shooting a click? Um, I don't I don't want to like bastardize or like misrepresent Wendell. In fact, he, he should probably be not. It'd be actually be nice if he maybe does an episode about release because everyone's that's like the number one question that like I get from students and people that come in the shop and take lessons is like, well, what's the right way to shoot a release, you know? And, right. you know, there's so many different ways. Um, but I think for him, um, like he, he, when he comes to anchor, he's just like running, like just slowly letting tension off that finger and letting the shot happen. Um, and I think for him, the click interferes with that, with that process so yeah so as opposed to using it as a you know a green light to go i guess you know right so it sounds like he just has a different way of shooting his hinge altogether than than the way anyways so i mean yeah i mean could could you get really good without you know without a click yeah absolutely you could um but if i'm going to take somebody and teach them from scratch it's always going to be with a click and and you know and and for the for the reason that i gave earlier if nothing more than just to 
have you begin your execution from the same spot. Because the way I always explain to people how I shoot a shot, I think of my execution, the whole, the whole process of shooting a shot as happening in two distinct phases. So phase one would be everything that happens before my click, right? That's going to be loading the bow, hooking the, you know, hooking the release to the string, drawing back, coming to anchor, right? Hitting my, my hand into my jawline, dropping my nose into the string, making sure my shoulder is set, making sure my hand feels right. Once everything is right, then I allow the release to click, right? In phase one, my, my conscious brain is thinking about, is the shot feeling right? Does everything yeah. about the shot feel correct? When you, when you do you, uh, with your click, do you manually engage it to the click or do you like kind of relax into click? I, I relax into it. So, and, and I shoot that, I shoot that Scott Ascent and the Scott Ascent has that, that dual moon on there. So mm -hmm. I'm able to manipulate the speed after the click as well, which, which I think is also a game changer for people. And I always tell people there, there certainly are hinges out there that, the, you know, people can use whatever hinge works for them. But for me, I think to be able to adjust the speed after the release clicks, for me, it was a, it was a giant game changer. Really? Um, now, do you. Like compare because I'm sure you've shot other releases that have like a ten thousand sear in it, Correct. right? Like, would you say is yours, um, is the travel after the click, like faster or slower? My travel after click? the click is as fast as I can possibly get it without it jumping the click. So the way that I set okay. my release up is I will make it so fast that it misses the click and it'll misfire, right? And yeah. then I back it off until it'll hit the click and stay there. So when I come into and I relax to my click, then when I start my aiming, I want that shot to happen quickly. I want to start aiming, let the bow settle out, stare at the middle. And as soon as I relax my hand at all, it'll fire. Um, now, now you're relaxed into click. Would you say that's a little bit on the colder side or the hotter side? Colder. Definitely. I, I set it up. I set it up slow to the click, super fast after the click. That's interesting. So like really really uh really really uh slow and then really aggressive really aggressive after right yeah. and you know and so if if you watch my hand uh at full draw up close like i've had people even film me and you cannot see my hand move when the shot fires and most people when i watch them shoot a hinge just like you were talking about with wendell the the hinge rotates they're like physically and manually kind of rotating through that release and i can see that hinge rotate in mine yeah, i can see i can definitely when i'm watching wendell shoot like when you know um you know we used to shoot a lot together um but yeah i could i could definitely see some i don't want to say it was a manipulation but i could definitely see some manipulation happening yeah so like, for me i don't yeah. i don't I, I don't want any movement in mine at all. And if you watch mine, mine will sit there and it will look like my bow just fires. It doesn't look like my hand moves at all. Even when you watch it on slow motion, zoomed in on my hand, it just looks like the bow just randomly fires. My hand doesn't move at all. And the only other person I've ever seen set their release up like that is Bodie Turner. Me and him shoot the release exactly the same. He's got a super, super, super fast click. I, I have to imagine because... He's the only other person where, like, if you watch his hand, it does not look like it moves. And so that's how I try and set everybody up that, that wants to 
you know, those people that want to shoot a hinge or they want to try it in the style. Well, have you I ever it. have you ever talked to Henry Bass how he has his release set up? Well, he doesn't he shoot a super super fast button. I mean, he he did. no he shoot, he's shooting a pretty hot. Cl- well, I'm sure he shoots a button too, but like like the times that I've shot with him and been around him, like I like do remember his, him. His release is like pretty 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 hot. I do remember him having one so hot that uh, he could fire it with one finger. I do remember that. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, that, it's it's so interesting because everyone kind of has a little bit different way of doing things but um i'm gonna i i think the way you've explained um the release is probably i'm gonna say probably the the, the most textbook way to i think set, teach somebody how to shoot a release you know which at, at the end of the day at the end of the day you know everyone's gonna find their way but i think the way you've just explained it is probably i'm gonna say that's the most ideal because there's that shift from like a conscious to subconscious right and it's happening and like i it there's definitely like like i like the way you even said it like two phases you know and uh yeah and and phase one like you're saying is that conscious phase that's my phase two that's before the click right and that's that phase that hey you can go ahead and think about everything about this shot and make sure that everything's right and then as soon as that release clicks my brain just switches over to aiming mode right and everything else goes into that that subconscious just fire the shot right and the shot will just happen and the release is so quick that i really don't ever hang up as long as i just stare at the middle of the target the brain will fire that shot it's going to happen yeah um i, and... I like the way you think I, i'm telling you right now like the like there's uh i i mean i'm sh- my shot's just a little bit different but i i like the, i like the i like what you got going on there that's a very um I, I like how you think you're thinking about the conscious brain, the subconscious part. A lot of people, a lot of people couldn't even tell you how they draw the bow. So, um, that, I, that's really awesome to hear, hear that. Um, I'm going to, I was going to ask you, uh, I was going to kind of switch over a little bit more to, um, like some archery, uh, logistics here. Um, I, I want to say, since I've single-handedly uh, <laughs> coerced you into, uh, you know, going pro next year. Uh, wh- by the way, like, like right after Wendell recorded his podcast with you, he like texted me and like, and was like, "Dude, you're not going to believe." It. I'm like, "What?" Like, you know, I'm thinking like something crazy happened at this house or something. And he's like, "You single-handedly just convinced Blake to go pro," and I was like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, okay. Um, but uh, so, like, give me a little bit of uh, explain that a little bit to me a little more. Like, you know what, like what, like I, what, what that means to you as far as like what that title means to you. As far as being a professional, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's it's so hard to put a label on it because still, when I think of a pro. I think of somebody that makes a living shooting a bow, right? I might have the pro status next year, but I still, I, in my mind, I'm not probably going to really think of myself as a professional archer. I mean, I think of those, like I said, I think of like the Jesse Broadwaters and the Dave Cousins and like their job, they wake up every day and they shoot a bow for a living. That's what they do, right? And, and so for me, that's a professional archer. Like they get paid by companies to shoot a bow. And, and that's not me. 
Um, but I do also recognize that I shoot at or very close to a pro level. And, you know, and, and the biggest thing for me was just what you said, the, the whole, the upward movement, the upward mobility about like, we don't start at a lower class and try and work our way up to a pro class. We just start in the amateur class and whatever. And a lot of people work their way up to the top and, and they're just content with that. And had my goal from the beginning always had been to get to the top of the class, then of course I would want to shoot pro. So with that argument alone, I was just like, well, yeah, all right. Um, but as far as what it means, I don't know. You know, I just want to keep, I just want to keep kind of being a positive influence in archery and being a positive role model. I want to shoot as well as I can. I would, I would love to win a pro tournament at some point in my life. That would be awesome. I'm sure you will, but, I, uh, I, um, it's, I, I, it's funny because like uh, when when I heard you saying um, everything you said and then and then and then I said what I said to Wendell um, on his podcast, I you know I look at what you're doing and not saying like I'm not I haven't you know been as successful in, in winning as you have, but if I, I still feel like you are a professional, you own a bow shop two shops you have a you know you're you're coaching you are teaching you are making a living in the industry you are definitely a professional you know your shooting ability is at a professional level um even if you're not being paid by a manufacturer you know being professional at the end of the day to the manufacturer is what you're you know on the business side is what you bring to the company you know like you're you're well spoken you're, you're not a jackass. You don't, you know, for the most part, like I've never seen you get in a fight or throw someone down the side of a hill at, <laughs> at a tournament, you know? So like you, you, re- you would represent a company like Hoyt or Matthews or PSE like really well. And I think manufacturers probably find more value in someone like yourself um, and to a slightly lesser extent myself, because we're actually selling the product. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, you know, a, a professional, a, an archer who gets paid to shoot a bow for a living, you know, they have to sell a tremendous amount of equipment through the work that they do in order to justify their, the expense that they have to the company. Right. You know, and, it, and, and like, honestly, there's very few, professionals who get paid to shoot a bow that even do that well you know i'm gonna say Paige pierce is like a, a like a perfect example of someone who's uh does a fantastic job for for her for the manufacturer you know and the companies that she represents you know she's creating content she's she's educating um through through social media um and uh she she represents the sport extremely well you know, and there's, there's pros that I know of that shoot really well, but at the end of the day, there's like a handful of stories from people that met them at, at archery tournaments that, you know, where they threw a fit on the range cause they had to shoot the same target or, or, you know, at Reading, they were told that they had to share the same target with somebody for the long shots to speed things along, you know, and, 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 and misrep and, misrepresent the company in front of children in a, in a negative way. 
You yeah, know, I, so. I, I think you, I think you're actually probably spot on. I mean, from a from certainly from a manufacturer's perspective, I think that you're you're yeah. absolutely spot on. Yeah. I guess I guess I still look at it from a a fan's perspective, right? When I think of any professional athlete, uh, you know, football player, golfer, whatever, I'm thinking of those guys that are in the spotlight. You know, you're you're looking at the guys that win everything. Those are, in my mind, those are, those are the professionals. And so I guess maybe I'm just looking at it from the wrong light. I think you're probably absolutely right that from a manufacturer's perspective, somebody like us is probably a little bit, you know, probably, probably does more because we're selling bows all year and we're helping people all year. And, and we, and and we only, we only cost them contingency when we win. Right, right. You know, (laughs) you know, they don't, you know, it's a, it's a good, they they get a good deal. We get a good deal. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, you know, you're, you're probably right. And and that's, that is kind of eye opening. But I, I I I would say this to the NFAA or any organization is that um, unfortunately, like, I mean, you know, we're in different stages. The sport is growing um, in some parts and, and declining in other parts. And, you know, I think, I think that, like I had also said before to Wendell was, you know, they, they have to re I think there needs to be, at least on the field NFAA side, they need to reevaluate the the process, you know, and like, like, like I, we talked about that natural upward progression. And, and I think that decision should be taken away from the individual, you know, like it is in, in, in in other shooting sports, you know? So, so then there are pros who, have salaries and pros that don't, you know, like, you know, Alan, like Alan, you, you've met Alan Burnetta, right? Yes. You know, Alan decides to go shoot um, SoCal showdown, you know, and, you know, he, he knew he was going to do it months in advance and he worked his butt off to, to, to go down there and do it. And he podiumed, you know, and it's like that guy, that guy, um, you know, keeps our water clean here in the County of Sonoma County, you know, so like like that's it. he has a day job, but he's capable of podium just like someone who does it for a living. So right, yeah, for sure. And I, and I think you have that ability too. So, um, well, interesting. That's cool, man. Thanks for uh, clearing that up. Um, what what are your goal? What are your goals now? Now that now that uh, you've you've done so well in this class, now 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 you got to work a little bit harder. And yeah, that's it. You know, I I now that I know that. I don't know. It's weird, man. I talk to, I talk to people all the time and they're like, Oh, you know, do you feel, do do you even feel pressure anymore? And it's like, dude, I feel like the better you get at archery, the more pressure you feel. Because when I go to a tournament, especially like local stuff, right. I feel like there's this pressure to perform. Whereas like, I, I can't go out and have a bad day and people not whisper behind my back. Right. Because like, Oh man, Blake's really sucking today. Right. Um, so for me, now that I have this, you know, going to have this pro status, it's like, I really got to buckle down and, and try and shoot even more and try and, you know, cause I don't just want to stay stagnant where I am. I would like to get better and better. If I'm ever going to win a pro tournament, I'm going to need to get a little bit better, I think. Um, and so just, you know, continuing to work as hard as I can and, and, and get as, as good as I can. And, and who knows what that is. I don't, I, you know, I don't know how good I can get at this sport, but we're just going to keep going and seeing what we can do and, and, and see, see how it all unfolds. 
But, you know, my, my biggest thing is I don't want to look back when I'm 60 and be like, man, if I would have pushed a little bit harder, I wonder what I could have done. So yeah. uh, while I'm shooting well now, I'm just going to give it everything I have and I'm going to try and go to as many big things as I can. I would say if you're if for goals, as far as goals, my big thing is I would really, really like to just make the Vegas shoot off one time. Just go there, shoot a 900. Um, I would really like to do that. I would like to podium maybe at Outdoor Nationals as a pro. Um, I, I would say my best shot of ever winning a pro tournament is probably going to be Redding because that's probably my strongest format is those orange dots. Um, I really feel like, I, I mean, I've been really, really close to cleaning safari courses before I've shot 1538 twice at a uh, local stuff. And you know, the two that I missed on one of them was like under 30 yards. It was really annoying. Um, yeah. So yeah, just Didn't continuing to work hard and just seeing, <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just seeing what, just, just seeing what happens, you know? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Like, I think, I think, uh, for, I think just as long as, you know, you're shooting a bow, I, I mean, I'm happy just shooting my bow every day, you know, and I work, uh, I work really hard to, to be the best that I can. And, um, it's like, it's a passion, right. You know, and it's cool. Like you're, you, you got the job in the archery, uh, world now you know you're shooting really well and uh it that's at the end of the day like when i come home i'm like i'm tired but i feel really like happy that you know i got to share my passion and i'm sure you feel the same way yeah absolutely i mean when i when i sit back at the end of the day if, if i don't ever win another archery tournament for the rest of my life i already feel like i've i've kind of made it you know what i mean like i remember starting this 10 years ago and just looking at all these guys that were shooting all these awesome scores and doing all these awesome things and just saying man like i would like to have a piece of that right and now the fact that you know we have a couple of shops we have the online store i've won you know almost 100 archery tournaments in 10 years um, you know, I've set records and just, you know, I've, I've gotten a pretty big piece of the pie myself. So, I mean, w you know, when I sit back and look at it, it it's just, I, I feel like I've already made it and I would love to keep winning and, and win some more stuff. But if I never do, that would honestly be okay too. Awesome. When, uh, I'm going to ask you a, a, uh, a coaching question. That's also kind of a, uh, enrolled into a uh, also a shop question um when you have someone that walks through the door either a customer or a student like what what's the one thing that you think like if you had to change one thing for most people and i know it it doesn't work that way like everyone has things that they need to work on but like what would be the one thing that you find archers ignore that they could fix right now if they went home like, what's the one thing you would tell them to do that they could improve on? Well, the one thing that I preach all the time is blank bailing. Um, you know, I, I always tell people that the difference in my mind and what I learned very early on in archery is that the difference between the most elite level shooters and everybody else is, is the execution. It's the ability to execute the release you know consistently and accurately you you look at most people and most people have the ability to aim a bow or you, you know like they have the right equipment they're doing the right things but they're not they're not working on execution right mm -hmm. um, the other thing that i hate in archery that would make people better immediately if they stopped doing is making excuses 
everybody is always looking for an excuse. And every single time they don't perform, they're always looking to justify it to me. Right. So, so do you it, feel like, do you feel like, uh, cause there's going to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to call it, um, uh, pre-national champion Blake and post national champion Blake did like pre pre-national champion Blake. Was it just that they would, you feel like people would seek you out just to complain about or make the excuses or like, no, are you, gonna, I, are you finding it now? Like, at, like afterwards? No, I don't, I don't think really anything really has changed for me locally. I think all of the guys around here locally knew that I was capable of winning everything that I've won. Like when I came back from nationals, I mean, I, people, people are just flattering and they, and they want to say nice things, but I don't know how many people were like, yeah, we knew that you were going to win them all. And it's like, you couldn't have known that I was going to win them all. Come on. But, but at at an event though, like as far as like the people making those excuses, do you feel like, I don't, I don't think that I, I think that people know that I coach a lot and people know that, that I, I have this ability to explain things well. And they, they want my guidance. And in many cases, they want my approval, right? I don't, there, there's a lot of people, somebody just texted me the other day, and I know that they will probably listen to this, but they texted me the other day and was like, I don't feel like you believe in me, right? And it's like, I don't really believe in anybody until you prove to me that you're willing to put in the work and, and that you're going to do well, it's it. It's not really, it's not you're not the gatekeeper. That's up to that person. Right? It's not. Like, it's, and that's what I explained. It's not my responsibility to believe in you. It's your responsibility to go out there and work your butt off and see what you can attain. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not for me to motivate you every day. When I decided that I wanted to get good at archery, I wasn't, I, I was just quiet, kept my head down and shot. Right. I just shot and shot and shot. And when I had questions, I would seek out the people that were better than me and I would ask questions. And then when I had my questions answered, I would go back to shooting. Right. Like I wasn't, asking anybody like hey do you believe that i can do this will you motivate me well you know i just i was like i have a i'm on a mission and i'm gonna do this right yeah but but uh everybody but there's so back sorry, back yeah. to the original question everybody is always looking for justification every single time that i go to a tournament or we're shooting or we're practicing it's always yeah, I got to do this when I get back. I got to do this. I, you know, this is the reason that I didn't shoot this score. This is why I didn't perform today. And it's like, dude, you don't have to justify anything to me. Just go home and work on it. It, Sit down, analyze what just happened, the good and the bad, you know, keep, keep doing the good things that you did good and everything that didn't go so well, go back home and work on those things. You don't have to justify anything to me. You don't that's something. Yeah. That's something I learned re- like really early on. Like, um, like I joke around and pick on Rubio a lot, you know, and, and uh, like Randy and some of these guys down here that really shoot, you know, at an elite level. And, you know, these guys became my friend before I could even hit the broadside of a barn, you know? And like, you know, we became friends because we were, we liked the same sport and we were, had common interest. And, you know, I wasn't a complete douchebag and they weren't complete douchebags. And <laughs> we just became friends, you know? And it's like, I think people, I think, think that like you're going to think less of them if they didn't perform to whatever expectation they had in their head. That's right. And, and I, and I think people should realize, the, hey, at, so many, if people. I'm not talking to you and I'm ignoring you. It's because, 
you threw your bow down the hill and threw a fit and acted like a complete jackass. Right. That's why so, I'm, that's why I'm staying away from you. Not because you didn't perform well. Like if you, I think people just need to, you know, so many people <laughs> attach their self-worth to how they shoot their bow when it's like, yeah. dude, I don't, I don't, I've never. And I said this with Wendell at one point on one of the podcasts, it was like, I have never went up to somebody and been like, Oh, I can't talk to you. Cause you didn't shoot well today. Right. And, and my best friends in archery were, were my best friends before I ever got good. They were kicking my ass every time. And now I'm winning most of the stuff and we're, we're still friends. Right. It had nothing to do with how good anybody shot. Right. It was the fact that we had similar interests. We liked shooting bows. It wasn't the fact that, Oh, we're all the best. And so we have to be the best friends. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It's just, we liked shooting bows. We like hunting. We like the outdoors. So naturally we're going to be friends with each other. You started off on this journey going, Hey, like, let's all, let's do this. Like, this is, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, and now at this point, it's like, you know, if Kit decided that he was never going to shoot a bow ever again, it's not like I'd be like, okay, well, I can't be your friend now because you don't shoot a bow. It's like, we're, we're just friends now. So it is what it is. Oh, I might make it my mission to give him a lot of crap though. (laughs) Well, sure, sure. And that's fine. And he went, he went, (laughs) he had a long hiatus from shooting a bow and I gave him crap all the time, but I like how the the twins actually gave him a hard time too. That was, that's like, he wasn't happy about that. Like the, Oh, Oh, he heard oh, that. He oh, was, that was that was awesome. Little, I was yeah, like, yeah. these girls. I'm like, they're all right. <laughs> he was not cool with that. He I immediately like... texted me and was like, "What the fuck?" And I was just like, eh, "Sorry." Oh yeah. Oh, I live for that. That I, I love. I love. I love the busting of balls myself. Uh, so it's you brought up. You know, here's another thing. Like one thing because I've I've I mean I've known you for a, a long time and as far as like in archery tournaments, but we never really chatted too much. And you were always like, so focused. And I was like, in my mind, like, I'm kind of when I'm old school in the way of like, when I see somebody working really hard at something or somebody's doing something, like, I don't want to interfere, you know, with, with people. And, and when I saw you, like we used to hang out with, uh, with, you know, the whole bright, uh, strings crowd that group there, you know, yeah, like yeah. I was like, that guy's got something going on. Like he's focused, like he's just <laughs> doing his thing. Don't interrupt it, you know? Um, but like, who would you say in that group there? Like, did, did you guys ever have somebody that really took you under the wing and really showed you the way, like, or was it just trial and error? No, the the very first person, I always give credit, the very first person, even though he doesn't shoot a bow, I hope he listens to this, he doesn't ever shoot anymore, but the very first person that ever really helped me was Sean Elza. And who's, who's Sean Elza? I have no idea who that is. <laughs> For real or... <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, yeah, he hasn't shot a bone over here. It's like he hasn't you, shot a you just forget so who these people are. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. So, yeah, he was. I mean, Sean is just if if you know Sean at all, he's one of yeah. the more likable people that you will ever meet. He's oh, just yeah. super, super approachable. And so when I got into it, I saw him shooting on the flat range one day, and the dude never missed. And I was just, I marched over there, and I was just like, "My name's Blake. You need to teach me how to do this because you're way better at this than me." Right. And, and he, uh, and he was just, he, he's just super, super nice. Right. Skip the so foreplay, man. Just go for it. We dude, we, we, uh, the very first like dose of reality that he ever gave me, like, I thought I was doing pretty well. Like I thought I was doing things mostly right. I just needed more practice is all right. So I was like, Hey, let's go out on the course. Let's shoot. You just, just be real with me and tell me everything that I'm doing wrong. 
And so I was shooting a, a thumb button at the time. I had never even shot a hinge. I didn't even know what a hinge was. And he was like, oh, okay, well, you're a puncher. And I was just, I was so offended. I was like, what does that mean? Like, just a dagger to the heart, right? Like, what do you mean I'm punching? I'm not punching. And so he filmed me shooting a shot. And then he filmed me shooting a shot with the same release and showed me side by side. This is what mine looks like. This is what yours looks like, right? And it was just like, oh, okay, right? And then so we started talking about how to break that target panic. And it was just like, hey, you're probably not going to break it with the release that you learned how to punch on. So what you should do is probably learn how to shoot like a hinge or something like that. So he taught me how to shoot a hinge and, and really he had told me, and I'll never forget. He was like, it's going to take you a year to master a hinge. And I was like, well, it might take normal people a year, but I am going to master it quicker than a year. You just told me that I couldn't master it in less than a year. So I'm going to, and in like three or four months, I, I mean, all I ever did was just go home and I would shoot four or 500 arrows a night. Like I would stay up until three in the morning every night blank bailing because I wanted to learn how to shoot a hinge. Well, and within like three months, I was, I was very, very comfortable and shooting it really, really well. Um, so, and then, you know, I made good friends with kit as well. He had moved down from shoreline down close to where I was living. And so I was seeing him at the range all the time. And so between those two, always telling me harshly at times, always telling me everything that I'm doing wrong and things that I need to work on. Right. We just all three became really good friends and we shot together and just, you know, and they, they were never. And I think one of the reasons that I'm so quick to want to coach people and help people and not keep anything a secret is because these guys never kept anything a secret to me. Right. If I had a question, they would go into detail everything that they knew about the subject. And, and I always really, really appreciated that and always said that if anybody ever needs my help, I'm going to pay it forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Like you guys, it, it's funny how that happens. Cause like you get, you look at like some of like where some of the best shooters come from, you know, wherever in the country that may be. Like it always kind of happens that way. Like there's a you know a group of guys that really want to get good at something and they have the right work ethic, and then you kind of use each other to to get better. You know, um, maybe use is not the right term, but you know what I mean. Like just yeah, exactly. Feed it, off of each other. Yeah, you definitely. That's and um, and that's something to said for good clubs. You know, like and I think probably that's what I think clubs probably are, are lacking in and that facilitating a place for for that to happen you know and then and, you know like or i should say getting uh i'm gonna cancel cancel what i just said i, I don't want to <laughs> i don't want to go down the rabbit hole of clubs so we've already been on the this for like 58 minutes so <laughs> no you got stuff to do i don't want to go down that rabbit hole oh but, you're um good. so but that's cool. I'm, it's really awesome that you have uh, that, that support group. And I think uh, more people need to do that. Like find, find some friends, find some like-minded people and, and work together. Well, um, and, and it's the only way. I mean, if you don't have a friend right there pushing you, I've always told the twins, for example, that their greatest asset is that they have each other, right? Their, their strongest competition in most cases is each other and they get to practice with each other every single day. And, it's really, really hard to push yourself to get to any kind of an elite level if you don't have somebody right there that you're chasing or that you're pushing or that's pushing you, mm-hmm. right? And and so if you don't have that, what chance do you have? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I think that's probably the same thing for diet and exercise, right? You got to have 
people in that in your corner pushing you to you know reach your goals there um final uh final not final thing but uh is there anything that you want to say to the the listeners is there anything that like is in the been in the back of your mind that you feel like people might want to hear man i don't know not not really has put me on the spot a little bit yeah Uh, that's what i do (laughs) man as far as anything that they want to hear i don't know not really i don't really okay All right. Well, then uh, one final question, then you and I are about the same age. So I'm going to ask you this. Alan Jackson, Kurt Cobain or Dr. Dre? I'd probably lean Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson. All right. Good man. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> I'd go Alan Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Hey, well, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show, man. And, uh, you know, if you ever if you ever want to come back on or you you uh, you think of something to say or you think like me and Wendell are being idiots and you want to tell us off, man, you're always welcome to come back <laughs> on the show. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. I really do like doing this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm always happy to do it. So if you guys ever have, I don't know, anything that you want my opinion on, not that anybody wants to listen to it, but if you have anything that you want my opinion on, just, just let me know and I'll come on. Well, since I'm the master of like guilt tripping people and making them do stuff that they don't want to do, <laughs> you sure um, are. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make you do something here. And I, I think that you should probably start your own podcast and start getting information out there and, and doing the same thing that we're doing. Because I think, like, the way I see it, like, I, I listen to, like, 20 different podcasts, you know. so I just got into this whole podcast thing. So, you know, yours and I, I still have to catch up on episodes of yours, but I'm getting close. And, uh, and, and Wendell's. And uh, I've been listening to a little bit of some of Joe Rogan stuff, but I've I've never listened to podcasts ever, and I'm just kind of now getting into it. So we we have talked about it, doing kind of like a like a I don't I don't know what kind of podcast I would do. I don't know if it would be focused around like target archery, if it would be focused around the shop and and giving some like hunting information as well. I don't I don't know. Organic. But... Just 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 pick up the mic and just, and just start talk. talking. Just talk. <laughs> like talk to someone. You like. You know, when Wendell and I first started doing the podcast together, it worked out really well because like we're buddies and we would just, you know, basically like we would we would go to drive to Reading or we drive to a tournament somewhere. And it's like we were having these awesome conversations and we're like, we should just let's record it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that's what you got to do, man. Just I think people would really want to hear what you got to say and. You know? I've I've had a few people after I've done a couple of these now I've had a few people approach me and say the exact same thing and you know they they say that you know I have a a good way of explaining things I guess or I'm well let's see if I'm two for two let's see if I can coerce you into doing something else <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting closer I just don't know I don't I don't want to you know I don't I don't want to flood the market as they say you know I, I don't think the market's flooded dude I I, I think. And I'll be honest, like I've listened to other podcasts and stuff or other archery podcasts and like some of, some of the ones that some of the pros are doing, it's like, is it a, is it a stroke of the ego or is it actually, are people going to get benefit from it? And I, I don't think you're that kind of guy. So I think if you did a podcast, I think you'd be well informative. And sometimes, sometimes like Wendell had you on the show and asked you probably very similar questions that I did. And now that I've had you on the show, I've we probably explained some some of the same things that you explained on another show. But maybe now that you've said it twice, you've 
said it better the second time, or maybe you might say it better the third time, you know? So the way right, I see right, it, right. it's just, you know, what's great about podcasts is just you get better every time you do it. And yet back to something you said, right. When you started teaching people, because it helps you reinforce what, you know, it's just going to make you better at what you already know. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. All right. So, um, probably in about two weeks, we should see the triple X archery <laughs> podcast uh, on, we'll, coming to your local iTunes store. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks. Thank you very much, man. And, um, good luck and, and, uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon. All right, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye.